And so when we, when we see our lives as, well, I just have to do this and I have to be a good dad and I have to go to my job and I have to do these things, we can very easily turn our prayer life and our going to Jesus as, please, I need this, I need to be healed for this, instead of heal me so that I can experience your glory. It, mm. Heal me. Like I, my life exists to glorify you. My life exists to know you and to be known by you. That's it. When you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. Welcome to the Take and Read Podcast. I am so excited because back, it has been a long time, but he's back, Bernie Calcote, my only podcast guest that that spanned two <laughs> segments. <laughs> and our goal today, one segment. But hey, we're just going to let, let what happens happen. That's right. Um, sorry, guys. We, we ran a little long last time, but this time, Chad... One word answers. One word answer. But hey, I don't want to be right. the guy ask that... Qu- ask me a question right now. So what would you tell somebody Maybe. that is... See, that's good. I like it. I was trying to think of a complex question that Next. you could not give one, but you did it. Nope. We're just kidding. Hey, you. Uh, there's a movie. I can't recommend it, but it's, it's, a, it's an American classic. And there's a line in there. Nobody puts baby in the corner. <laughs> And I feel like that applies today. We can't. There's a there's a passage. You know what? You don't muzzle the ox yeah. while they're threshing. I, we're not doing that today, buddy. Okay. We're gonna Let's let just this let flow. Let right. this flow. Okay. All righty. So you're back. Uh, it's been a couple months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot going on in your world, um, and just what I would love to know. Not necessarily what's going on in your world, but as that stuff transpires in your life, as a husband, a father, a business owner, a brother, a son, a friend, what is the Lord teaching you and how is he teaching that to you in this season? Mm, that's good. There's a couple things that I feel like uh, God has really just hit me with. Um, and let me first say for those that didn't listen to the last one, I'm just an ordinary dude. I'm not a TV guy. I'm not a country singer. I'm not very smart. Um, I'm that's the well, okay, debatable. Um, I uh, I'm just a dude, probably like a lot of you, or a girl, like most of y'all out there. Like we're just regular people um, trying to figure out life and how our faith flushes out. And all of the craziness of life that's going on around us, it's like, how do we use this to help us navigate and to glorify God with the opportunities we have? So that's that's where I'm kind of coming uh, into this thing with. Um, I there, there's a couple things that I feel like in the in the last you know couple months uh, I've really been jumping out. Um, and the first one is turn it off, and the second one is listen. And so this whole idea kind of, I, I take a, a day of solitude once mm-hmm. a quarter. I go to New Braunfels to our old pastor's house and 
they have a place in the back of the property. I get to just kind of be in solitude for the day and walk through the woods. They have a lot of property in right behind on. and uh, walk through a canyon and just be alone and mm-hmm. kind of disconnect from everything. And, and I was doing that this uh, last time uh, a few weeks ago. I really just felt like God was kind of stirring this this idea in me about uh, just turning off um, and really what I'm turning off is uh, digital information intake. Okay, so it's not just you are to turn off and just disconnect, but no. you're to disconnect yourself from the electronic, the, the screen. Yeah, I think right now a lot of people are probably um, experiencing this, especially right now. There's uh, the news sources, the right. amount of information that we are being bombarded with um, social media, you know, news outlets, mm-hmm. um, everything. There's just, and then there's just so much conflicting information, yeah. and it's like, how how much do we really need, and where's it come from, and all all of that. I felt like I was just saying, hey, just turn it off. Have this kind of selective ignorance, if you mm-hmm. will. And so I've I've really been trying to do it myself and encourage other people, like, hey, you don't need your phone nearly as much as you do. You don't need to read on social media or on the internet nearly as much as we do. Like take the time to get your news from people that you're standing with and ask them, Hey, what's going on in the world? What's going on in your world? So is it, is it something that you kind of have said, all right, I'm going to similar to these kind of solitude retreats, these, these days of solitude. Do you take a regular, okay, I'm going to put the phone away and I'm not going to touch it for this length of time. Or is it just a, on average, I'm going to just minimize the amount that I'm engaging with it kind of overall? Um, I think more the latter. Okay. Um, but there is some like, you know, I had to kind of evaluate, okay, where am I getting my information from? And then decide like, well, do I really need that? Is it essential? Like, to, or is it really just, I mean, if you you've talked about kind of health and fitness and everything, like, what you eat, like yeah. what happens when you just cram your body with food, even if it's healthy food, if you just keep eating, 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 yeah, no good. it's no good. Yeah. What if you're cramming it with a bunch of food that's not good for you even all worse. the time, yeah. even, even worse. So it's evaluating where it's coming from and then really just cutting out a lot of it. Like, hey, I'm not on social media. I check email from this time to this time. I read one letter, newsletter that kind of gives me what I need to know. And then I just talk to a lot of people that I really trust right. on different sides of the aisle, different perspectives of faith and everything. Like, um, And so really, there's just a lot of noise out there. And yeah. so the point I think the guy's trying to just remind me is to turn it off and don't listen to the noise. And the second part of that is to listen to the Holy Spirit, listen to the word, be still with it, um, listen to the people yeah. around me, um, and just, just listen more <laughs> in general. Yeah, I think that's that's a helpful word is I think I can relate to the idea of noise. And it may not always come through a screen. Like I, even for me, when I get in a car, I have to have the radio on. Mm. And what does it look like if I commit to just turning that noise off and not hearing music or people talking? I, I love talk radio. So if I just turn and turn down the noise and have moments in my day where there's just no noise 
That's a good word, man. It's challenging. Yeah, so as soon as this podcast is over that you're listening to, yeah, then well, you can turn it off. You once you to listen to this, yes, then <laughs> shut off and disconnect. Yeah, that's a good, but, that's a challenge, and it's so difficult because, like, I even noticed you've got a, an Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get chimes. You're going to get alerts. You're going to... Yeah, have those turned off. Good for you. Yeah. So my, my why phone, an Apple my, Watch? My phone is on. I want to go for the, old school analog, baby. Yeah, for the activity, like the... Uh, it, oh, so it's track, tracking tracks steps. Heart rate. And... I also have this little thing right here that's center screen. No, Siri. Um, I do this three times a day, the breathe thing. Okay. So three times a day, I will stop for one minute, and this is, that's it, just one minute, and I'll breathe in and out, and I will say, Jesus, take everything, take everyone. Okay. Jesus, take everything everyone and i'll try to just stop three minutes throughout my day and it's very helpful so there there are things on the apple watch that i, f- I find helpful. Are, are helpful for me and there's a ton that's distracting for sure i'm not perfect at any of this but um i do have like the notifications and all this stuff turned off well it's interesting because you're utilizing the tech to uh, reinforce slowing down reinforce dependence reinforce breathing listening and so i think that's a good point that it's not as though the technology in and of itself is evil it's neutral it's when we encounter it it can either be used for good or bad you know there's the i think about like the butter knife on my kitchen table it is it is not moral in in a good way or a bad way it's just it's just a, a tool. Now, my kids can take it and butter their bread and provide sustenance and, and tastiness, or they can chase each other around the, the table with it. It's when they interact with it that it becomes one thing or the other. And I think technology is the same way that sometimes we go, it's just pure evil. It's not. But we tend towards that because mm-hmm. that's what's – we just are, are prone to wander. We're prone towards decay and chaos and so even that has to be redeemed. We have to use it in a redemptive way. Mm-hmm. That's a good word. All righty. Well, speaking of listening, God is, he speaks sometimes in the still small voice, but we know for sure that he speaks to us through his word. You and I have, uh, before we launched into this podcast, we prayed, we asked for guidance, we mm-hmm. asked for wisdom. Some people wonder and have suggested that I pray uh, during the podcast, but I want you to know that uh, we prayed prior to, and uh, because this is a spiritual book, it's not a, a a book that is simply human authored, but there is a, a divine and spiritual component to the reading of this book. So we believe it to be God's word, and so we're going to read it as such. We find ourselves in Mark chapter three, my friend. And uh, so we are in, we're utilizing the NET, the New English Translation. I've used that a couple of times on here. Uh, I recommend it. It's got kind of a cool story. The way that this English translation came about, it was an online open source translation team that got together. And I think it was like hundreds of scholars giving input into translating from the original language into English. And what they did, you can go online, I think net.bible or net.org, you can see the notes associated with 
the way that it's translated, which became a helpful resource for missionaries and others that were doing translation work, because now all of a sudden you had the scholarly dialogue about translation philosophy, word usage, why they didn't use this word. And so it's just a cool translation. And we're going to. And to your point, another way that technology can be used for good. For good right. and redemptive purposes, yeah. like without the internet and then being able to like find a platform to connect on. So totally cool. And this is the internet Bible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's N-E-T. like the world, the world, the net, the net. Isn't that interesting? Hey, there you go. <laughs> uh, so we're in uh, Mark chapter three and we've been kind of making our way and Mark chapter three, verses seven through 12. And to kind of set the, the context, if you've been tracking and, have been listening to the episodes, we've seen in the last several episodes these encounters that Jesus is having specifically with the religious kind of leadership and authorities of the Jewish people. And these are these are encounters that absolutely could have been avoided had that had he wanted that. But in each of these cases, he is intentionally initiating and stirring the pot around certain conventions of the religious elite and standards of, of the Jewish people. And so that's kind of, he's been in synagogues, he's been healing people, casting out demons, he's been eating out of grain fields on the Sabbath, he's been doing things that are just really beginning to develop a, 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 a group of people that really want to see him stop and dealt with. And we actually left off in the last passage where the Pharisees are now willing to get into cahoots with the Herodians, which are Jewish, Hellenistic Jewish uh, political party that work with Rome in order to kind of subject the people, the Jewish people. And so now the Pharisees who historically are, they're loyal to their people and their religious system are now willing to go outside of that to start to appeal to other sources because they've just really got to deal with this Jesus problem, which is fascinating. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we pick up here in Mark. So here in verse seven through 12, then Jesus went away with his disciples to the sea and a great multitude from Galilee followed him and from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, beyond the Jordan river and around Tyre and Sidon. A great multitude came to him when they heard about the things he had done. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him so the crowd would not press toward him. For he had healed many so that all who were afflicted with disease pressed toward him in order to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God but he sternly ordered them not to make him known. Okay. So as is our our practice is we're, we're wrestling with what does this say? There's, Mm -hmm. there's some stuff here that we just need clarity. What's, what's being said there can sometimes when we approach the scripture, it's so culturally different that we just got to get some clarity on why things are in here and that kind of thing. So yeah. What do we got? So, um, 
we're starting with what did it say? What did it say? The what's, first what's thing it say? that jumped out, um, and again, I'm going to be kind of the questioner because you're the pastor, and and I'm going to be like, hey, what? It says this, but what? Why does it say that? Okay. Um, he went away to the sea, a great multitude. Do we know roughly what that number would be? just for any kind of context. Uh, we don't. I mean, there are times where it does clearly indicate, like when we get to the feeding of the 5,000 and then the feeding of the 4,000, it will tell us it was 5,000 men. So that just indicates males present are 5,000, but there's probably females and kids. kids. And But here it doesn't tell us. But what it does say is the extent of the region. So it's not telling us the number. It's 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 contrasting it's interesting because i think it's what we've seen in the the previous kind of little episodes of scripture right that he's in the synagogues he's doing these things on the sabbath and you get this picture that as he does does this there's this growing legion of haters Mm -hmm. there's this growing group a crowd of people that are getting more and more angry at least within that galilean region that he's going to these various synagogues and every time he goes, there's just people that are really fired up. And so you get the sense that there's this growing opposition, but now we get this scene that there's also growing popularity as well. It's not as though he's just making a bunch of enemies, but there are a bunch of people and they're coming from this region, Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, beyond the Jordan River. So his popularity is spreading so it seems like there's a very clear line, though, of who he's making friends with and who he's yeah. making enemies with. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah. Like this multitude of people, you can think that these are people that um, are not the religious, you know, know-it-all Pharisees. They're not the, they're the people that are sick and that are, have disease and have, yeah. demon possession and they're like no we I hear the broken about this guy. the broken people yeah the broken people and in a lot of ways you get this indication that it says that they're coming to him because they've heard of what he's the things that he's done so they're like we know what he can do so there are people that want immediate relief from their brokenness they're like this whatever physical whether it's possession whether it's health they want fixing like immediately and they know he can do it so he's got to get a boat so they can't right. physically touch him and get to him because in some ways they're, they're coming to him for what he can do. And so they're, they're willing to just get close so they can grab and touch and, and get that healing or that deliverance. And so that's interesting. So what do you, th- okay, let's, let's just go back. Like what, what is it saying? Um, yeah. Jesus is getting popular. He's getting um, extremely he's, popular. There's people coming out. It's also interesting to see that the last several sections, he's been in a synagogue teaching and doing and demonstrating the authority of the kingdom and the reality of the kingdom. And so he now the, the scene has changed. We're going to now start seeing him teaching outside. Mm-hmm. And he's going to address crowds, multitudes, not these groups in these synagogues in these closed spaces mm-hmm. but he's now going to step out into the open arena where crowds can gather and he's going to teach and it's going to be different he's going to he's going to teach rather than confront yeah so everything from 7 to 10 kind of i feel like um falls in this uh very understandable hey yeah this is 
He's doing these things. People obviously are coming. They're kind of like te- setting the scene for us. Of, yes. Hey, these people are coming. Obviously, there's a lot of people trying to get to him. He gets a boat, so they can't get to him. That makes sense. Yeah. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the son of God, but he sternly ordered them not to make him known. Right. So what is that saying? Uh, Who is he, who is he speaking to? And why is, I don't know if we're to the like why part yet, but why is he saying I think I think that it's a it's a generalized description of his ministry to the people in in Galilee or that region Mm -hmm. that we've seen him so far the way that he demonstrates the kingdom his authority his sonship right um, is he he does some teaching they've recognized he teaches as one with authority not like the the scribes and then he demonstrates that authority and he does it by two ways he heals and he casts out demons and here again they're they're not necessarily related there's some people that go oh is that that health issue is that actually demonic but that's not what is indicated here they're separate occurrences and so we see that again that as people are coming to him there's going to be the people that want the physical healing and there's clearly going to be people that come that have unclean spirits. It seems to be implied that he casts them out, but all it says here is that whenever the unclean spirit saw him, so clearly as these people are coming, they're they're seeing him and they're proclaiming and declaring something. So there's this, yeah, there's there's physically sick people, and then there's demon possessed people. Some of those people may have both issues going on, but. I think there's just that recognition. Yeah, uh, I'm also catching in 12 the word sternly. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, because Jesus is not like, hey, could y'all just like chill, like keep it down, like we're, we're not going to like tell people about this yet. He, I mean, it's hard for me to imagine the stern <laughs> yeah, the, authority the, of Jesus. Like, coming. Yeah, we, we portray Jesus as a very soft-spoken, yeah. hey, brother. Hey, dude, it's hey, all buddy. good. But no, this would be a, Hey, sorry if I busted your ear, ear <laughs> earbuds just now, but yeah, there is a a firmness and an authoritative kind of response that's made, and we'll get into when we when we talk meaning. Why? Okay. Why? What is that about? Okay. So have we? I think we've we've hit what? Yeah, I mean, I think this is said. Do we? Can we stand back and picture in our mind's eye? Okay, do I do I see the scene? Do okay, he's got um there he's with his disciples, so he's with his crew, they're mm-hmm. on the sea, and they whenever they show up on the shoreline, there's a great multitude following them, and so he's like, All right, let's get this boat because if we step on shore, like there's literally no room for us to get off of this boat. So let's just hang out here on the boat. It's not gonna be the only time that he does something like this where he's in the boat and he's teaching the crowds. And so it's literally just to kind of give him some distance and the ability to teach. And so it, it we have this scene, people are, I, I get this, I, I have this word in my, my mind, like they're clamoring, right? There's people that just are just trying to get a little piece, a little, just a touch, and maybe that'll kind of fix them. And yeah, so- there's people in the crowd that probably don't even 
know anything about him. They don't believe or care anything about anything religious or right. All they know is this guy heals. Yeah. I've heard that he healed. And so I need to be healed. I need to just, if I can touch him, that's all, that's all that they're thinking. Yep. Just got to get close to him. So I can imagine the, you know, uh, the crowds becoming, you know, pushing and pushing is everybody's insistent just, pressure. Like yeah. Just desperate. Kinda, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think that's what we're supposed to see. And then, what do you think the disciples are doing right now? And like, are they kind of like Jack, like you? Are they like me, where they're like trying to hold people back, but they're getting run over? I like to think that there's there's a there's a kind of a a, there's probably a variety. I think Matthew probably is he probably doesn't have any calluses. (laughs) He probably has very good penmanship. Uh, Hey, could y'all just not? But then you got like Peter and Andrew. James and John, John these yeah. guys probably have some forearms on them because their their life to this point has been pulling in nets of fish. And so these brothers probably kind of just, I would say they're, if not burly, they're certainly just kind of strong. Yeah. Just strong guys. I Their posture, I mean, we've seen episodes throughout the ministry and life of Jesus that they get protective of him. Right. And their concern when people are pressing in, there's that episode where there was a a woman who had been bleeding for, I don't know how many years and people are pressing in and they're trying to kind of just protect him. And he knows power has gone out from him and she's healed. So there, there's probably some concern. Yeah. I mean, even in the garden, like Peter cuts off the, the guy's ear. The guy's ear. Like yeah, it, the guard. You got to think that they're protective for yeah, sure. For sure. So, yeah, they're probably slightly concerned about this and how he's doing, how he's holding up. Uh, and, yeah, there's just this interesting dynamic here of it's almost like a a summary. Like there's no, like, Right. Important teaching that happens. It's giving us a summary of a lot of the stuff that we've already read about and that we'll continue to read about. Like, here's, you just kind of need to get a general snapshot of here's the ministry at this time for Jesus. He's, he's obviously gaining popularity because of what he's done. People are coming in droves from all over the place. So it's starting to spread what he's done. Maybe not who he is, but what he's done. And so there's this difference when, when the demons start to identify who he is, not just what he can do, he's like, hey, quiet. Not, you know, there's this indication that not yet. Mm. And so that's, I think, in this passage, kind of the biggest component of, well, I don't, I don't get it. And it's going to happen multiple times through the Gospel of Mark. Right. We've talked about it on this podcast before, kind of what's called the messianic secret. Right. Why would he be so adamant and so stern at this point about them uttering those things and recognizing that verbally. Because we'll see times where others recognize that privately to him and he's totally okay. And he'll he'll warn the disciples not to to tell anybody. But this is a clearly these if there's crowds around and these demon possessed people are crying out, he's the son of God. And he's like, hey, quiet. Like, he's trying to keep it on on the down low. Mm-hmm. And just to hit on real quick the messianic secret that you yeah. just said, because I think I learned this on one of the podcasts. Okay. That, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but part of 
part of this is that if everybody were to start and discussing this and it just got publicly really, really, really big that the, uh, the Pharisees probably wouldn't have had the ground or the, or the Roman empire to, yeah to crucify him because it would have looked politically bad on them. Yeah. I think there's, I mean, there's a couple of theories and they're really all speculation because this messianic secret will continue to kind of be reinforced by, by Christ as he goes along. He's telling different parties and people at different places to, to be quiet about his identity until Mark 14. That's when it becomes public and that's when he's on trial. That's when it all goes down. And so why, why this persistent kind of need to say, hey, hush. And so the theories are, well, he didn't want to, like there was a timing component, like there, there was a certain time that that needed to be revealed because he knew what would take place once it became revealed to a certain extent. And so he didn't want to rush this thing, which is interesting because he's, he's the one walking around, going to synagogues, kind of provoking this thing, like forcing the issue. But so that's one thing, the timeline that he, he had to, he was going to hit a certain time mark. The other one was that had he had people known that either his popularity would have grown to the extent that he never would have been crucified mm-hmm. because they wouldn't have let, because they would have protected him from the authorities. Others kind of speculate that maybe it has more to do with the political hopes that if they find out he's the son of God, he's the Messiah, he's the Christ, that there will be this kind of political party that forms and tries to get him to overthrow the Roman empire or lead an army. And so maybe that's it. Um, Wait, people using religion for political wait what wait <laughs> and because there's a there's a an interesting component to the way that the disciples and what the Jews of that time were anticipating the the Messiah would be like right there was this hope because he you know it was prophesied he'd be like like David right the you know he would be a son of or a descendant of David and so well David was a military conquering king like he was a warrior. And so, oh, does that mean we'll be delivered from this Roman oppression when the Messiah comes and, and our nation will be established again as a superior nation? And clearly that's not his agenda. And so there's maybe some kind of speculation about that's why he needs to keep this on the DL. Because notice he's, he's aware and the demons are aware of exactly who he is. Right. There's no mystery in the spiritual realm about who he is. And there's a lot of people that love what he can do, but they still don't quite get who he is. And he has kind of, for the time being, wanted to keep that somewhat on the DL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good questions. Okay. So where, where do we go next? This is what it says. So this is what it says. And so I think some of the things that are helpful from a passage like this that's more summary in nature is st- step back and kind of, what's before us, what would be some broad brushstrokes with which we could go, okay, I think this is the mean, the meaning of this. So, right, one of the th- ways that we can look at, okay, what does it say? We can ask the question, what does it say about God? And what does it say about us as humans, which will lead us to the meaning? Okay, if this is what it's saying about who God is, and this is what it's saying about who we are, then we can kind of make that step towards meaning a little bit closer. 
So let's ask that first question. From what's said here in this scene of he's in a small boat, there's crowds coming from all over the place wanting to be healed by him. So he's clearly healing. He has power. He has authority. Even the demons have identified you are the son of God, which was also identified by the father at the baptism of Jesus. This is my son and who I'm well pleased. So what is this saying about God as we kind of take a step back? I'm I'm just kind of like catching the what I didn't see whenever we first talked about what it says is that Jesus went away with his disciples. Mm-hmm. Now people followed him, but Jesus went away. Um, he I, was yeah he was withdrawing. Yeah, almost like what you were talking about at the beginning, right? We're right. going to see episodes of that where. Jesus withdraws from the crowds. He withdraws even from the disciples to be with mm-hmm. the Father. Yeah. How's that hit you? I think what, um, yeah, what I'm just kind of like trying to put together is, like you said, what does this say about God? Like how, what is God trying to communicate to us about himself through this? Because this, you know, the book of Mark is very like, um, uh, I don't want to say brief, but like very specific, intentional yeah. about each yes. thing that it says. Yeah, it's, it's, it's brevity is true. Yeah, in your it's area. not like we we're gonna put all this information for no reason. So yeah. it's intentional. Um, yeah, I I don't know, man. What what is I mean? Because this really is just. Um, there's not a lot of anything other than setting a scene and telling what has happened mm-hmm. until verse 11. Right. Um, so we know of God that, I mean, we can start really big, big brushstrokes that God exists and at a particular time in history, he is clearly indicated by his perfect timing that he would send his son. So God would become flesh and that he is dwelling with the people. I think even drawing on some of the previous passages that he is going to confront when humans mess this thing up, he's going to confront us. He's going to love us enough to confront even our false assumptions. And he's going to have compassion on people and just because they're clamoring for him and they maybe just want his stuff, he's still going to love them. Mm-hmm. He's going to meet them where they're at. And yeah, he's going to be faithful to his mission and his call and his desire to save. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe if we are following Jesus wherever he takes us, sometimes that's a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're really disciples of him and we're following him, we shouldn't be surprised when the broken mm-hmm. and the and the sick and the beaten up want to come to where we are. Yeah. I think that that transitions well into what does it say about us, right? There's yeah. a couple of different us's here. There's us as the disciple. Mm-hmm. There's thus as there's us as the broken that are co- going to him and need him and want him, mm-hmm. 
And, uh, and so I think there's a couple of different us perspectives or what does this say about humanity as followers of Christ there? Yeah. Those times of drawing away. I, I, I think too, it's, um, you know, just kind of staying on that thought of what, it, or that question, what does it say about God? Um, that he uh, is drawing in the broken. Mm-hmm. Um, we were just talking about that book, The uh, Gentle and Lowly. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's his heart is mm-hmm. is for these these people that are following him. Um, it says something about him, like, yeah, I want to, piggyback off that that he could have done things to draw a variety of different people mm-hmm. he could have gone to a different segment of the population and performed miracles that produced different things like he could have walked into the tax collector booth and touched the table and 10 stacks of coins showed up mm-hmm. and all the financial people had been like hey you just go to him and he doubles your 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 bank account. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. He could have, yeah, he could have um, gone in and, and maybe some political speaker, he touches him and now that guy is the most eloquent he's ever been in his life. And now he's very persuasive and can uh, just bring people along and influence people. But he didn't do that. Like he did things specifically that drew a certain type of people to him. Mm. He also did those same things that caused another group of people to hate him. Mm -hmm. And you got to believe that that's intentional. Yes. And what that says about the heart of God, I think takes up another hour, but we <laughs> promised we weren't going to go into part right. two of this guys. This is going to be the shortest we one. Promise. We promise. Yeah. We're wrapping it up. But I think you just hit on something that's huge. Yeah. That, and am I willing to identify with that, the kind of people that he's drawing? Now yeah, I he, can admit that I'm that person or I, I mean, the reality is we're all broken. Mm-hmm. We're all in desperate, unhealthy situations emotionally, spiritually, when, you know, prior to Christ and even some of those walking with Christ now. But to realize that there are, there is a demonic realm, they, those influences do exist, that there's a lot of dysfunction and brokenness because of sin. And there's a group of people that think that they don't have that or don't need help. And then there's the group that go, I have no, I've tried everything else. I have no other option. Mm-hmm. I absolutely need Jesus. And if that doesn't work, I'm sunk. And so those are two groups represented, right? In the previous verses, there's the group, the religious group that's like, we've got this figured out. We don't need the Messiah. We actually don't want the Messiah. We're good. And it's like, man, they're, they're sick as dogs and they have no clue. So it leads us to the so what question. So you stand back and you, you get this snapshot, this kind of summary of what Jesus is doing at this time in the life of the disciples, the life of the Jewish people and in that region. So what do we do with that? As his followers, Bernie and Chad, mm-hmm. that are fathers and husbands and 
just trying to do our best every day to follow him. What do we do with that? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, we stand on this side of the cross, right? So we recognize that they're in this verse, especially verses 11 and 12, that there's this need to keep his identity on the down low. But that's not true for us now. We, we are in a different time, and, and, and the expectation is that we wouldn't stay hush-hush about him. And we do know he, who he is, and we also know what he's capable of. We know what he can do because of who he is. And so I think the challenge for me is to, to not be so caught up on the what he can do for me even though I think that's so huge, like am I coming to him out of this absolute sense of brokenness that I need him to fix me or do I just want some stuff from him? Mm-hmm. Do I just want him to do some things to make my life easier? Mm-hmm. And there's a difference there. Oh, for sure. It's a huge difference. I think the so what now for me is... um within the framework of understanding my own brokenness and that I am one of these people that has desperately come to him to be healed, um, that a, a deeper understanding of this is someone that speaks sternly to unclean spirits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is someone that um, I, I don't think that a lot of times we understand the weight of his power and and glory that's due to him. Mm-hmm. And so when we when we see our lives as well, I just have to do this, and I have to be a good dad, and I have to go to my job, and I have to do these things we can very easily turn our prayer life and our going to Jesus as, please, I need this, I need to be healed for this, instead of heal me so that I can experience your glory. Mm. Heal me. Like I, my life exists to glorify you. My life exists to know you and to be known by you. That's it. Amen. Uh, I think we lose. I think we get caught up in, and I'm guilty as anybody. We get caught up in the kind of day to day and the, you know, like little league, and we got to do the bake sale, we got to get the thing, and the kids right. in middle school, and if we forget that um, we have access to the God of the universe, and all He really wants is to know us and love us and to be loved by us, and that is the the end of our life is to glorify him. So in what we're doing right now, um, is it doing that? Uh, are, are we glorifying him? Is whenever we leave here, um, and that's what I take the, the so what is just kind of, you know, it's, it's just the, a reminder of the reverence that I probably don't go to him with it. Mm. I need to recognize like, man, this guy, uh, yeah man i I appreciate that that is a that is a great 
insight. And uh, Bernie, thank you for being here today, man. Yeah, of course. That was powerful. That was a good, good time in the Word. And uh, if you have comments, questions you want to shoot Bernie or myself, please email me at takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, plug in your insights, your thoughts uh, into the comments. And uh, yeah, if you, if you haven't yet, uh, subscribe, like, share. It just helps other people know where to find us. Yeah. And so they can they can take and, and, and read. And go write a really great review about our buddy Pastor Chad and what he's doing here. <laughs> this is really good. I mean, you're you're um, starting something, hopefully a habit for people of getting in the word. Mm-hmm. And I hope that you don't just listen to this and move on, but that you let it kind of like meditate on this the rest of the day. Oh yeah, what did what did that mean? Because if you do, like I said earlier, turn off the noise and you listen, these are the times we meditate on that that God says, "Oh, here's what I was saying. Here's what here's mm-hmm. another insight for you." And maybe it's a week down the road, yeah. but if we're willing to do that, um and just kind of sit with it. I, I think what you're doing and the habits that you're kind of helping people build and digging in, man, it's really awesome. So keep it up and have me back because we stayed with yeah. under an hour this time. So. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for being here. We'll definitely have you back, brother. All right. Good stuff, man. Bless.